Welcome to the Unlocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 94 of Unlocking Crypto. Hal, great to see you again. Good to be here, Jason. So this week, man, I know there's a, a lot of news around the possibility of the Bitcoin ETF getting approved. I think there's about a seven or eight day stretch that the SEC had the possibility of doing that. Like we talked about last week, the chances of that happening are unlikely and they did not happen. <laughs> so no huge surprise. I know everybody really wanted something like that to happen. There's still a lot of people saying there's a 90% chance it's going to happen by January 10th, just because of the other ones that are out there. I'm still skeptical on that date, but it would be great if it was. <laughs> I agree on it from the timing standpoint. It would be great if January 10th is the day that the SEC says, all right, everybody's in, you know, and now that you guys can race to actually get a ticker symbol that people can buy because selfishly, right? Well, one, whether you're this Bitcoin purist that wants banks to collapse and for Bitcoin to take over the world in all monetary ways, you weren't going to get there without banks and institutions trying to take, you're trying to get into Bitcoin. So, you know, put that aside and let's just get back to the value of Bitcoin and adoption and more people being exposed to it and having and touching it. This is super good for that. Like it is a, a turbo boost in adoption and fast forward to that. You're a year after this ETF comes out, there's no more. Well, what if Bitcoin goes to zero? What if the government shuts it down? What if, what if, what if all the stuff that everybody's been talking about since I've been listening in 2017, that, was realistic. Like all that stuff goes away. It's no longer realistic. I mean, Elizabeth Warren's not going to shut down Bitcoin when BlackRock is making money off of selling Bitcoin, right? Because I mean, who pulls the Elizabeth Warren strings? It's it's those guys. And so it's it's a huge deal when this thing passes. There's so much smoke at this point that it's going to be surprising to me if it doesn't. And so I actually, I texted a buddy of mine who is like a bigger Bitcoin bull than me and, and we'll eat lunch every month or six weeks. And he's like, man, I'm glad you're around because I feel like a crazy person. You know, we live in a small town. Nobody's into this stuff. And I, I texted him last night and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm as bullish on Bitcoin as you were in 2020. That's because, you know, he was into stock to flow and the having cycle and all these things in 2020. And so he was glad I talked to him because I'm like, oh, you know, okay, I'll I'll pick some up here. And but it, with the ETF, the 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 tailwind for Bitcoin price that the ETF provides is crazy, because the, like like last week when I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure out what this means. How much fund flow into BTF into the ETF? What does that mean for Bitcoin's price? And this is independent of the having cycle, right? Which is usually what we see when everything ramps up. So, you know, we talked about all year long, we talked about regulation. And in the last half of the year, we talked a lot about the ETF. And when you're into Bitcoin, you learn a bunch of stuff. And so like this week, I learned a lot about ETFs. Um, so the SEC, so what we're seeing is a whole bunch of activity where 
all 10 of these ETF applications are getting revised. And that is indicative of the SEC giving them information, hey, we, we don't like this part of your filing, come up with a better solution. And the one that popped up a bunch this week was how the creates are are generated. And so what's a creates, right? Because that's a stupid sounding word. And uh, so there's two ways to do it, a cash create or an in-kind create. And so what it's saying is that's how they create new shares of the ETF, right? Because the ETF really, as money comes in, they need to have more of whatever commodity or whatever, you know, an ETF could be a group of, of stocks or it could be a, a gold ETF. So they need to actually capture that gold. And so that's where they create the underlying asset in the, under the ownership of the company that, that holds the ETF and sells the shares. So multiple times during the day. So for me, I'm like, this is an, the easiest way to create shares of the ETF is Bitcoin because it's on sale all day, every day, all night long. Like it's whatever country you're in, you can buy it. It's the easiest thing to buy. And so these, so the other ETFs, they will allow a, a broker to buy shares of the ETF and trade them shares of the underlying stock, right? If they have, if you have an ETF, like an energy ETF, and that broker owns Exxon, you know, Marathon Oil or all these different petroleums, or all these, they can just say, all right, hey, we'll trade you the equivalent shares of stock for shares of the ETF, and then we'll sell the e shares of the ETF. And that's called in-kind creates. Or you have cash creates, which is like, hey, I want a million dollars worth of these shares of ETFs. Here's here's a million dollars in cash, you know, and then I'll sell them to my customers. And so for me, I was like, I think we even talked about this, where I'm like, US dollars flow in, Bitcoin shares or shares of Bitcoin ETFs flow out. And then that cash is used to buy the Bitcoin to support the value of the ETF. And so it was like, for me, this was a no brainer. Well, in these applications, and I've got to think some of this is just copy and paste problems from other ETFs that aren't Bitcoin ETFs. But a lot of them or all of them had this in-kind creates option in the language. So they're saying that a broker dealer would give them 500 Bitcoin for 500 Bitcoin equivalents shares of the Bitcoin ETF. I'm like, this is the that's the dumbest thing to say because the infrastructure is not there. The broker dealers don't have the capability of, of holding Bitcoin. Everyone has the capability of holding Bitcoin. They don't do it, right? They, they don't have the custodial wherewithal to do it. Fidelity is probably the only one. And so there's no reason, not only that, it, there's just no reason to do it. They're operating in US dollars. Now, five years from now, maybe everybody's got Bitcoin and it's easy to transact in Bitcoin and move stuff around. But right now, it should all be US dollars. So that was like a major, multiple ETF applications were revised in order to get out of that in-kind creates and into cash creates. And so this kind of gets me thinking like, so if I'm selling shares, so day one, the ETF hits the market, cash starts flowing in. You can't like collect all the cash during the day and then buy the Bitcoin that night because it might be $5,000 more expensive at 4 p.m. than it is at, at 10 a.m. Because that's how Bitcoin rolls, especially when you're talking about early on when the when the dollars really move the market. 
And so they're going to be, I mean, as soon as the cash hits, they got to be buying Bitcoin and they're going to chew through all the easy to buy Bitcoin, all the Bitcoin that's on exchanges that are companies that, that sell this stuff. They're going to chew through that quick and it won't take long before you get to the people that are like, no, I'm not, I'm not selling my Bitcoin for this price, you know? Yeah. So I'm getting super bullish on Bitcoin price with the, the, once the ETF actually starts. And so, you know, I think last week I talked about $10 billion, you know, kind of gets you about a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin and all that. But if you're thinking over the first year, right? So let's say this thing, let's say that the ETFs are approved in January, they actually start collecting and they actually start changing us dollars for Bitcoin in March, the havings in April, August, September, you start to see the ramp up of the normal having cycle. So you've got six months of buying pressure to raise the price of Bitcoin before we see the normal price escalation due to the having. And so you kind of combine those two things together and it's, and it's like, man, I'm as, as bullish as you could have, you could have been in 2020 when it was like, Oh, the stock to flow says a hundred thousand average for the next cycle. And, all the stuff that kind of got the the fever pitch going last time, and I, I like, and so here I am. It's like no middle of November, end of November, and I'm like, man, I don't see, I don't see how this doesn't work out. And if it's in the headwinds of a recession and nobody else knows where to put any money anywhere else, more money's going to flow into Bitcoin. Like even if it's like, man, I got to, it's the only thing that's appreciating right now. I need to put a little bit of money into it, and so it. It's there's there's too many ways that this thing works out great, and there's too few ways where it falls flat on its face. So there's my we, there's my Bitcoin ETF rant to kick off this this podcast. Yeah, we so we talked a little bit about the CEO of Grayscale last week, and he was on I don't know Fox or something like that this week too, and they pretty much asked him they're like, so do you really think there's going to be money that comes into these ETFs? And, and when there's already existing ETFs in Canada and Germany and, and all that stuff, and he's like, absolutely. If you look at it, the the wealth amount out there is about $30 trillion right now. And once you have the ability for the Black Rocks and all these other financial advisors to sell Bitcoin, there is that certain percentage. And then you have guys like Ray Dalio that have said, what, 5% in Bitcoin, right? Even if you just did a couple percent of $30 trillion, that's a lot of money, considering that the entire market cap for all of crypto is what one and just under one and a half trillion, and Bitcoin is just three quarters of a trillion dollars, right? So, any amount of that single digit percentage of thirty trillion starts to double and triple Bitcoin's price. And what you're not even considering at that point too is all the institutional side of, of it too, where you have like Tesla has done well, and I mean just look at what MicroStrategy has done, right? So. There's a multiple of that that's even bigger than the, the personal wealth side. And it's kind of one of the guys on there was describing this as it's almost like you're going to see five or six happenings happen at the same time because of the ETF approval, which is insane, right? And I don't think anybody's really prepared for that to happen if that really happens that crazy, right? But it's, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, bullish is kind of an understatement at this point. It's it's exciting. The The problem always is, are we early? <laughs> right. <laughs> How yep. early is early? Are we still going to see some crash? I mean, because there's, 
if you look at it, there's a lot of macro stuff going on too across the world. And we've talked about, you talked about possibility of recession. I think it was UBS that came out and said, hey, growth is slowing down. We expect the Federal Reserve to cut rates about three points in 2024 because the economy is going to be hurting that bad, which three points would be insane if that happened. I mean, yeah, everybody's going to be freaking out if the economy is really hurting that bad. And everything's going to take a hit. It doesn't matter whether it's stocks or Bitcoin or whatever. People are going to be scared. And if you look at it, the the inflation numbers, I think, that came out last week are holding steady month to month, but they're still up overall. And retail anyway. spending, yeah, the retail spending is down, which going into the holiday season, if retail spending is down, that's scary considering, what, 70% of our GDP is based on retail spending. <laughs> so it, it, it's, yeah, it's going to be... A rocky road for sure, but what you're talking about is when this happens. I mean, you can only look almost up at that point. Yeah. So you read the same kind of thing I did. I, I saw that once all these ETFs go forward, then it opens up thirty trillion dollars in assets under management to the Bitcoin network. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I have this hot sauce theory where all these financial advisors are like, hey, we need to add a little hot sauce to your portfolio. We don't need a lot of Bitcoin exposure. We just need a little. It goes a long way. And so I'm like, in the worst case, one out of 10 people are going to put 1% of their net worth into Bitcoin, right? If if you're a financial advisor and you can't talk one out of 10 of your customers into 1% of their net worth into Bitcoin, where the other part of their... I mean, all they, all these financials, financial advisors do is say, hey, we're looking for 5 to 7% every year on average, da, 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 da. So you put 1% of your net worth into Bitcoin this year and never never put another penny in. Well, now we're looking at 4 to 6% if it goes to zero, right? So if you can't sell that idea to Bitcoin, it, then you're, you're not trying, right? And so one in 10 of your customers that puts 1% of their net worth into Bitcoin assuming that's across all dollar values of all your you know your 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 big customers and little customers you're talking about 30 billion dollars flowing into which is based on the multipliers you know a 3 almost it it gets it to almost to a 4 trillion dollar market cap so you're right around $200,000 of bitcoin and that's just within the ETF and that doesn't include Corporations, which, like you said, micro. Uh, imagine what MicroStrategy's stock price looks like when Bitcoin hits two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, there are they will. It'll be. I don't know where where Michael Saylor becomes a trillionaire, but it's something. I mean, it's it's not impossible that this guy's just sitting on the most wealth and with no intention to sell any of it. And so guess who's going to copy it, right? Everybody who's kind of halfway ready to copy it is going to scramble to do it as soon as they can. And then El Salvador is going to look like a genius. You know, they're, they're like the hundredth largest GDP in the world. And they're going to be sitting on a ton of sovereign wealth in Bitcoin because they just basically DCA, they, they smash bought Bitcoin and then they dollar cost average after that. They're going to look like geniuses, and they're surrounded by other countries that are in the exact same spot as they are. And so that sort of thing is just, you know, people, countries, and and these institutions, you know, they're all going to act just like people where 
They think they want to buy Bitcoin. And then once the price runs, they have to do it. Like they're like, oh, it's going to be too late if I don't do it now. And so it's it, it, money's just going to fold into it. it. It just needs that catalyst. And if the ETF's the catalyst first, great. And if the ETF gets kicked down another year and it's the happening, then okay, great. But when you see MicroStrategy stock price jump, and you have, and you're a fiduciary, or you're a CEO, or a board. Like, why aren't why aren't we five percent into Bitcoin? Like it it it's we're sitting on all this cash that's falling apart. So I, I think I think there's it's so difficult to to be bearish right now that it's it's and it's just too much fun to be bullish. Well, and I, I know you want to talk about Bitcoin, but the other thing that's interesting out there now too is Ethereum. Right, so Ethereum's had what I don't know eight or nine futures ETFs already approved. The one that Grayscale wanted to get is being delayed again by the SEC, which is kind of silly. But Fidelity just became the second guy to request a spot Ethereum ETF. BlackRock being the first, and if when we started talking about ETFs, what a year ago or whatever it was, BlackRock had a record of. 562 out of 564 ETF approvals, something insane, right? So now BlackRock is definitely all in on crypto, Ethereum being the next one. If Ethereum gets approved as an ETF, a spot ETF as well, on top of Bitcoin, then holy cow. I mean, it's almost insane what could happen. And it would be exciting to see. I mean, I know you're not an Ethereum guy, but I think Ethereum being approved as a commodity within the SEC confines would just open the doors for a lot more. And w whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum, there's going to be money that flows in there one way or the other if, if they get approved. Right. And, it, and that's one thing to talk about, too, is because normally in the crypto world, money flows into the crypto ecosphere, primarily into Bitcoin, and the price ramps up. And then you have, so you have this Bitcoin bull run and then as people start to sell like experienced crypto people sell out of that bitcoin position they flow into altcoins ethereum and all these other smaller coins and then there's like an altcoin altcoin bull run after that and so with the etf being a catalyst for all of this that money's not going to flow back into other altcoins after if there is an after bull run and so it's this one that's I'd hate saying things that it should look different than the previous times because the like this time it's different is a super dumb thing to say, kind of no matter what, because things just happen. There's a self-fulfilling prophecy of things happening similar to the last time. But the money that goes into the ETF isn't going to flow into altcoins. Right. So old school Bitcoin holders may do that. And so you may see that that secondary ramp up. But if there's money directly flowing into an Ethereum ETF, the amount of money that's going to flow from Ethereum holders, like actual asset holders, into all the other random stuff, you know, yeah, that's that's that could definitely happen. And then you'd have your the new ETF holders holding on to Ethereum by proxy of the ETF. And then when that price kind of settles back down, the, ETH, the the Ethereum asset holders that got into the other stuff and ramped up your, you know, Cardano's and Monero's and all the other stuff, you know, they're, they're still playing. They'll, they'll still play that game in like the, the altcoin casino. But I, the bulk of the money, I think, is going to stick where it lands in 
either in the spot ETFs. Yeah, well, and especially if you talk about personal wealth and, and institutions, right? They're not trading in and out of this stuff constantly. They're finding something they can invest in for a long time and hold it. And this is something where it takes that ease of them having to deal with the compliance or worry about lost tokens and things like that out of their hands, which it sounds like, I mean, it's a worry, right? Shoot, I've done it. If you mess up, you mess up, it's gone, right? Now you have somebody else being your fiduciary and custodian at that point. Yeah, so I went through and just like, every once in a while I just make sure I have all my stuff, you know, like kind of write down my wallets and what's in each wallet and how much I bought versus sold and what's left. And there's like 1% of everything I've bought. It's just, I don't know where it went. You know, it's hard to, it's, you get busy, you do stuff, you don't write it down, you don't log it in. And so there's like a 1% bleed and you can't have a 1% bleed if you're a fiduciary and you're selling ETF shares of ETF and like, yeah, you're going to go to jail. So another interesting thing that's happening from macro perspective is the whole SEC and Binance lawsuit that's going on. And I don't know if you paid much attention to it, but there is talk about that being settled here very soon for $4 billion is what the fine is going to be. And what it's looking like is they can still hold CZ and other executives criminally responsible. So I don't know why Binance would sell for four billion and still have CZ have be criminally responsible. So who knows what will happen, but you got a lot of the the big name guys like Mike Novogratz and stuff like that, that is calling this super bullish just to get this over and done with and not be an issue anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, but it's definitely not done yet. Yeah. I mean, $4 billion, you're talking about like a real Wells Fargo style settlement. So it's starting to get real. So you talked about El Salvador earlier, and there's been some pretty big news in Argentina here yep. recently. So they just had a kind of a, I guess you can call them crypto friendly ish president that won, or libertarian slash economics professor that Argentina said we're tired of what's going on, so we want to try something different. He is pretty much calling the central banks a fraud. Uh, at least in Argentina, which is kind of funny because I think maybe all of them might be. And his goal is to dollarize Argentina. So to get away from, I think they have their, what, their peso or whatever, and then yep. move to the U.S. dollar, which, I mean, as a, a Bitcoin fan, you could argue that the U.S. central bank is a little bit of a similar fraud. We just, we're full more people right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of that, right? I mean, he he's promised a lot. If you look at Argentina, they are... I think the largest debtor to the IMF and the IMF is not crypto friendly. So I don't know if we're going to see anything that's specifically Bitcoin, Bitcoin friendly or crypto friendly come out of Argentina for some time. But I do think that it wouldn't surprise me for more people from Argentina to start to get into things like Bitcoin or, or even stable coins like we talked about. I think when I looked at it, the Bitcoin returns versus the Argentinian peso is like at 400% over the last year because their peso has been so devalued. So it'll be interesting to see. It's exciting to see. I I don't think it's going to be an El Salvador type moment, but it is one of these countries that is struggling from serious overinflation. And we'll see what happens over the next year or two as he makes some inroads to changing things. 
Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've followed this a little bit, not a lot, because you know he he forced a runoff. There was a three person election, and he forced a runoff. And so I was like, if he wins, I'll kind of look into it. And so he won. I guess they had an election on a Sunday, and yeah, it, it's like anti woke, anti big government. Like he's going to slash government programs, which I think people. If they understand what they voted for, they're going to be okay with it, but it's going to be hard to have less things available in the short term. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, his you know his understanding of of how central banks are just scams, especially like the Argentinian central bank and how they just rack up debt to the WEF and then default on the debt and tank the currency and all that. So if if I'm him, like you're not jumping to Bitcoin. So what, you know, what's the next step dollarization? And that's not, that's not crazy. They do. I think they will paint him as a crazy person. So he's like very boisterous, very like out there, the way he talks, very hyperbolic, very jumping around. I mean, high energy, not what you see in politicians in the West, especially where everything's like buttoned up suit and tie or, you know, even the guy that wears a hoodie is like moving in slow motion, right? And so you got this guy who's wearing a suit and tie, but cranking up chainsaws and fist pumping and yelling and all this stuff. So I'm curious to see kind of how the the media is going to really put this guy through the ringer, right? They, they try to do it with El Salvador's president and then basically paint him like a dictator. And they'll do the same thing here, but they'll paint him as just a loon. But Argentina... When you look at Argentina being, it's got to move into like a high level, high tier Bitcoin friendly country. You know, it's the third largest economy in Latin America, 23rd largest in the world. And that's with all of their talent leaving the country to go find work elsewhere. And so if if he can, you know, there's a long road to turn Argentina around, but at least the guy driving the boat knows they're going in the wrong direction. And so, you know, you start turning the wheel and you, you fix the boat, you do all this. I mean, it's going to take a long time to get things righted. And you got to get people to stay there when they're good at stuff instead of going to other countries to make money and send it back home. But 23rd largest economy in the world when everything's going to hell, uh, they could, they've got potential. And so you've got money, people with money there, you know, like you said, stable coins are a great place for people in these countries who are just trying to get paid on Friday and buy groceries the next week. Stable coins are great because you're able to maintain your dollar, your, your buying power over a, a short period of time. But you start adding a lot of discretionary income that they're going to hold for long term, then that flows into Bitcoin and, and adds value there. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough, tough deal to turn a whole country around. But it's nice that they're giving somebody a shot. I mean, you can tell what happens when people get sick and tired of being living in a country that sucks. They they'll try they'll try to get out of it. Yeah, forty percent of that country is living in poverty, right? So to have a chance at something else is what they voted for, right? And I, I kind of agree with you. Short term, it's going to be tough <laughs> to change all that. It, it's going to hurt more at the beginning than it's going to help. But long term, if they can follow in somewhat of El Salvador's footsteps, and they're not really following that, but just change the country around that much to where it becomes 
a destination that you and I are wanting to talk about going to, right? <laughs> so I never thought El Salvador was going to be in that list of, yeah, I really want to go there. And, and now it is. It, will Argentina, I mean, not Argentina already kind of was, to be honest with you, just because it's an interesting country, but it was not anywhere near the top of the list. If they could really kind of change some things going on down there, and then maybe it does become a lot more interesting for tourism to happen down there and just their entire economy to change in general and get bigger. So another somewhat weird thing to tie into crypto, we've talked about WorldCoin in the past and Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI, well, he got ousted from OpenAI, <laughs> the board here recently, and a WorldCoin somewhat dropped because of that, it dropped like 14% as soon as they heard. Well, there is a huge partnership between OpenAI and Microsoft that probably everybody is aware of, ChatGPT is used in Bing, right? So Microsoft has now hired Sam Altman on like a special research AI team and then a handful of the other guys that left OpenAI with Sam and WorldCoin shot back up to, I don't know, 9 or 9% or so is with that news. So what the people that left OpenAI are saying is that they're going to do something brand new that has never been done before and... OpenAI was just almost like a test bed for them. It, what's crazy is if you look at Microsoft and the amount of money that they're investing in building data centers, which will kind of enable AI in general, it's it's insane, right? So even Elon Musk kind of tweeted out some of the numbers there and said, yikes. And, and of course, he has his own AI chatbot that he's trying to bring out as well. So. Some interesting news from a WorldCoin perspective, not that I'm promoting WorldCoin, I still think you don't want to do it, but it, it definitely had a little bit of a roller coaster here in the past week or so. Yeah, I, I have a friend whose wife's interviewing at a high level with OpenAI, and they paused that, and they're like, we're going to wait till some of this crazy stuff dies down. All right, what crazy stuff are we talking about? And then the next day, the Sam Altman news broke that he was getting kicked out, and then... And then that was, so that was late last week. And then now Microsoft hires him and then like 600 plus employees from OpenAI are like, yeah, we'll go work for Microsoft instead. So they could have just completely gutted OpenAI and Microsoft could have essentially just bought OpenAI for free instead of $90 billion. So this could be a, a nice weird coup that was due to self-inflicted wounds on the OpenAI side. Uh, so I, we'll see. This isn't really – that's not totally crypto-based, but it is kind of – you know, if this sort of thing – this is the kind of thing where if it happened in crypto, people are like, oh, OpenAI coin is garbage. And, you know, they, the whole team's moving to Microsoft coin and, you know, it, like this is just how it works during like this innovative break stuff, move fast try things out and, you know, it, it's just the way it works. And so because these are – businesses and companies and not not tokens it's taken way more seriously but this it's it's not that dissimilar yeah so speaking of making changes and and all that Polkadot has announced they're planning on making some major, major changes and for those of you that aren't aware Polkadot has a really so the ex or the CEO of Polkadot was an ex Ethereum founder Right. So he was he was one. The guy from Cardano was one. They left Ethereum and kind of did their own thing that they thought was better. 
one of the interesting things with Polkadot is they kind of have these 100 pair chain slots that are the center of the Polkadot ecosphere. And what you have typically done in the past has been they had these slot auctions for all of those, which is kind of a, a pretty cool thing and what a lot of people were investing in those projects where it would hold your polka dot for I think up to two years and those companies were giving rewards back to the people that helped them to get the the slot well they are planning on changing and I think it's going to happen as early as middle of next year I think Q2 of 2024 to where they're going to drop the slot auctions and just allow people to use what what's needed so to me, that's kind of crazy, but it's a huge change for Polkadot based on what their entire ecosystem was, was based on. What's kind of crazy, too, is, I mean, if you look at it, Polkadot is tiny compared to, like, Ethereum, another competitor, right? So Polkadot has about $136 million in total value locked, whereas Ethereum is $24 billion plus, right? So it's a huge magnitude difference. Polkadot still has a long ways to go to try to catch Ethereum, but at least they're kind of trying to make changes and see what happens, right? So they haven't been able to do it with what they're doing so far. So maybe doing this will be a better thing long-term for them. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you do is just keep trying different stuff. I mean, until you run out of money, I guess, or run out of time, but that's the name of the game. Try to figure out where you fit in, especially if you're fighting an incumbent like Ethereum, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta try different stuff. Yeah, and Kraken is kind of another one of those exchanges that everybody's, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot I've heard of. I've used Kraken for quite a while, especially with Polkadot back in the day. But they are kind of following in Coinbase's shoes, right? So they are now looking into creating their own layer two on Ethereum, much like Coinbase, Coinbase did with Base, since that was pretty successful. I don't think they're actually going to create a new one. They're going to partner with somebody, and I think that's still to be determined on who that's going to be, but they're looking at kind of all the big guys like Paul Yon and Optimism and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what that does for Kraken and what that allows for them to do. But, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense if all these exchanges are using their own Layer 2 to make the transactions cheaper and faster for them and keep it all easily accessible so they don't have that one percent slippage that we were talking about before right making a mistake it's all on a freaking blockchain and they're good yeah only the government can get away with like oh we don't know what happened to that six billion dollars like sorry we, <laughs> we lost it move on but no Kraken. speaking of Kraken, the sec filed a suit against them for operating as a security exchange without registering same as the sec did for coinbase and they they claimed that they were commingling customer funds, but that was kind of disputed. And it seems like that's not really, they're, they're, they're operating on the up and up. They're not like another FTX, but Kraken responded respond kind of like Coinbase, which was like, there aren't any regulations to follow. You haven't given us any guidance. You know, if we operate that way, we're just going to, we're just dead. So we can't do that. And so that was, I think that was yesterday, but in the filing, the SEC called, you know, called Solana, Cardano, Polygon, Internet Computer, Cosmos, and Algorand Securities. And so I think maybe four or five months ago, when they did this with Coinbase, they named several several different coins as securities. So we'd have to go back and look to see if there's overlap. But, you know, if 
if things are being identified as securities, I consider that to be a bad thing because those teams are going to go have to go figure out how to register and operate as securities. Yeah, that'll be be interesting for sure. So I do remember back in the day, the SEC did go after Kraken and Kraken paid a fine for something. And then the SEC came out and said, all you have to do is fill out this form. And Kraken's like, well, what the hell? I wouldn't have paid $35 million, whatever it was, if, if you just told me in the first place I needed to fill out a form. Yeah, it's the SEC. It's really almost like the SEC is just messing with these people. And then, uh, so one of the last things that I had was there's a, a pretty big airdrop airdrop happening for a token called Pyth, P-Y-T-H. And what's interesting about them is they're one of the decentralized oracles. Oracles, the, the biggest one is Chainlink, right? So Chainlink is kind of the, the market share leader. I think they're only like 45, 46% market share, which is still a lot, right? But Pyth is the fourth largest oracle at, uh, man, what was it, like... Or five percent, something like that, market share. But they are doing an airdrop. I think you could use any one of like twenty different, twenty-seven different blockchains to get some of these tokens, right? So it's pretty much anybody that's used almost anything out there was going to get an airdrop and be part of their their network. Thanks to the SEC, citizens in the U.S. are not eligible, so don't try to look. <laughs> I think that's all that I had. Anything else on your end? That's all my notes for this week. Yeah. So as typical, regulation slash ETF is going to be the major discussion points, although honestly, we're probably at least a month away before we have any probably new news from any of that, just based on government's not really doing anything until next year anyways. Yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving's in two days, so that means the government stopped working four days ago. Well, I think they probably stopped working a long time before then. But we, <laughs> They're barely working most days as it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, even to just approve things, it's not happening. January 10th, I mean, they'll only be barely getting ramped up by the time the 10th rolls around after New Year's. So that's – but I think that, that I think that deadline is meaningful because if they don't do it, the I think that's the, the ARC invests – final day for approval so they have to do something if they delay there they open themselves up for a lawsuit from ark invest like they did with gbtc and so i think that's i think there is an actual meaningful deadline on that january 10th date the government can do whatever it wants then they okay fine let's get in another lawsuit let's we, we have infinite funds and we have as many lawyers as you, you can count and we can go in front of court and we can sound like idiots like we did in the GBTC case. <laughs> we can do that all day. Let's either sound like idiots at our, in our office or sound like idiots in a courtroom. Yeah. And so, you know, that's certainly possible too. Interesting times as always. How great chatting with you and we'll talk again next week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, Jason. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.